0: Welcome to the Be Disciples podcast with your hosts, Kyle Morris and Dakota Smith. We are starting a brand new season, season three, and we are going to be studying the book of Acts. How's it going, Dakota?
1: It's going good. I'm excited for this series, and I'm excited this is the first time that we're, we're recording in our new setup here in our office. Yeah. Uh, we're set up in stools, and we've got a counter coming off the wall, and we've got a sound equipment, and we've got our camera recording uh, to all of our listeners. Thank you so much for listening in, but... Now you're a part of the show with us, so um, no, we do not spend all of our time doing this. In fact, it's kind of like, where can we find a free hour to fit this in for the community, right? Right. Uh, But this is another resource, another biblical resource uh, to put biblical content into the community, and one of the benefits is we give it to them in a relational manner where you and I get to sit down and talk about life and talk about the Word.
0: Yeah. So this is the first time we're trying out a new video camera so we can, uh, hopefully you'll be able to see us if you choose to watch us on YouTube, uh, instead of just listening on the podcast when you're driving, but whatever platform you choose, we don't really care. We just want to be able to give options and sometimes see our face. Um, but, uh, it is baseball season, so I do have a bobblehead sitting on our table here. Yes, you do. I, Randy Johnson back Johnson.
1: The Diamondbacks were good.
0: Re- and relevant. And relevant. <laughs> yeah, they're not quite anymore at the moment. Uh, they didn't make any big splashes this offseason, so I'm a little Shocker. disappointed. Uh, and, I, and I'm and i more of the baseball fan uh, than Dakota. We definitely connect when it comes to football, but uh, I've already been to a Royals game here in uh, in Kansas City, Missouri, and so... Uh, I'm just excited for baseball. It is not exciting when your team is terrible like the Dimebacks are. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the Royals, but again, the Royals, there's not too much excitement there either.
1: Hey. For, uh, but they've they've done something in the last ten years.
0: I will say they have a better team. Yeah. Uh, than the Dimebacks overall. And they got Zach Granke back who did play for the Dimebacks and now is back with the Royals.
1: Hey, there you go. Did you know uh my wife and I decided last night that I'm gonna be coaching JoJo's uh youth baseball team? jump in, something needs to be said too. Uh, There's a book by David Helm called One-to-One Bible Reading. And that book really sets its focus on if you want to make a disciple, put people in front of the Bible and learn Mm -hmm. to facilitate that discussion. So, one of the inspirations of this podcast is wanting wanting to use the podcast itself as somewhat of a, a trailblazing discussion for those individuals who want to be sitting down with another person at the coffee shop saying, let's study the Word together. If you need to follow this as a trailblazing discussion or just to take principles and techniques that we use in our discussion out from the podcast to then implement it into your own discussion and your own discipleship, then by all means, please do that. That's one of the original intents about it all. But we want this, you know, the, the, the name of our podcast is be Disciples podcast, and we want you to be a disciple and make a disciple. Uh, that came straight from Tim Reed, our favorite professor.
0: Yeah, I would encourage you, if you take notes during our sermon, or not during our sermon, during, we we do sermons, but... We do enough sermons. Yeah, you, yeah. Uh, you can go to com for that. But if you're taking notes during our podcast... Uh, we usually ask each other questions. Sometimes, yeah. those are maybe some good questions to jot down as ways to engage another person. Yeah. Uh, so we do that on purpose, uh, or just any information that we say that could be turned into a question. It just helps if you're walking through this passage with somebody to have some notes, have a place to go, so you don't feel like you're just going in with nothing. Um, but just to be a little bit prepared, um, you know, we we do uh, open the Bible pretty. Uh, in a relaxed way where we don't spend a lot of time studying for our podcast. It's more just, we just dive into scripture and have a conversation about it. But we've also been doing this for a long time yeah. to where we kind of know what questions to ask and what to talk about. So this is just a way to prepare you.
1: Yeah, with a sermon or an official teaching, you want to be prepared as you get into the pulpit. But for us, we're studying this together, and that's how discipleship is made, is in a real you know organic discipleship based scenario you're going to be asking questions and doing the research in front of you so that for us is actually a part of our tactic it's not a lack of preparation it's we want you in the office with us we want you a part of the inve- investigation with us and that's that's kind of the road that we're going to take so today we officially start with the book of acts and we hope to work through acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 8 and also give you some some background knowledge so why don't you pray? And then we're going to dive into a commentary by David Guzik on the background of the book of Acts.
0: Father, I thank you for this opportunity just to uh, have a podcast, to talk about your word, uh, to just have another avenue to to share the gospel. Uh, I just pray for our listeners, no matter where they're at around the globe, that uh, you are with them Uh, that you continue to allow them access to the Bible, access to your truth, Lord, and that they continue to seek it no matter what. Not everybody lives in the context of a place of freedom to hear your word and to have your word in their hands. But, Lord, I pray that they continue to have that access, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Amen. So here's what I want to do. I want to read... Maybe the first five verses. Our goal is to get to eight. But let's read the first five out loud and then, Kyle, I think it'd be good if you and I just interact back and forth. You know, just scroll down the list of things that Guzik is saying about the book of Acts and um, we'll, some of the most of this, in fact, we may already know, but it's always good to be refreshed on the topic. Scripture says in the book of Acts chapter 1, 1 through 5, the first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of forty days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, that's the text we're going to be working with. Um, Let me just begin with this initial comment. David Guzik starts with a, a comment made by William Barclay. And it says this, Imagine what it would be like if the book of Acts wasn't in the Bible. You pick up your Bible and see the ministry of Jesus ending in the Gospel of John. Next, you read about a man named Paul writing to the followers of Jesus in Rome. Who was Paul? How did the gospel get from Jerusalem to Rome? The book of Acts answers these questions. Barclay says a great New Testament scholar has said that the title of Acts might be how they brought the good news from Jerusalem to Rome itself. Any initial thoughts about that comment?
0: Yeah, I think it's really exciting when you look at human history, uh, because what has to happen for the message of Jesus to get to a place like Rome, who is conquering at the time, who is in cro- control of, of most of the, the known established world. Uh, and if we didn't have how it got from Jesus' resurrection as disciples, all of a sudden this guy named Paul, who we have no introduction to unless we have the book of Acts, yeah. who writes the majority of the New Testament. Right. Acts really gives us the historical background of the beginning of the church. It gives us context into who Paul is and where he came from, and so it gives him legitimacy in his interaction with Jesus after the resurrection, his interaction with God on the road to Damascus. Uh, and I think those are critical points in when we see the authenticity of of. Paul's writings, and why they're so important.
1: Yeah, I I also think it's important to realize that just as Rome had been conquering the known world at at the time, the book is called the book of Acts, right? The Acts of the Holy Spirit as he's sending the apostles out into the known world, the known world that Rome is conquering, and the Holy Spirit is sending out these apostles, and it's almost like through the work of the Holy Spirit what's really being conquered. (laughs) is is rome itself you know what's really being conquered is this world system where the church starts making its imprint there within the entire empire and pretty soon rome doesn't know what to do with these christians um i i think that's remarkable it's like the holy spirit's the one having real victory in god's eyes through everything there's another comment here that i want to share that expansion from jerusalem to rome is a remarkable story Humanly speaking, Christianity had nothing going for it. It had no money, no proven leaders, no technological tools for propagating the gospel, and it faced enormous, enormous obstacles. It was utterly new. It taught truths that were incredible to the unregenerate world. It was subject to the most intense hatreds and persecutions. And another thing it says is that Acts is written in the literary style of the Greek translation of the Old Testament known as the Septuagint. Um, Since Luke can write in a different style, this is something deliberate. Probably Luke himself regarded himself as recording sacred history. So again, the book of Acts has so much depth to it and so much understanding. Uh, We're only scratching the surface right now.
0: Yeah. So another question is who wrote this book, right? That's yep. another question to ask: Were who decided to write all these accounts down? Yeah. Uh, well, we know that it is Luke. Yes. Uh, who writes the Gospel of Luke? And you could say that Acts is an extension of the Gospel of Luke or a continuation, uh, as Luke is one who didn't wasn't there for the actual accounts, but went out and and interviewed people to gather the facts. Mm-hmm in order to prove who Jesus is and then continues to do that as the church is established and records the events that are taking place he gets accounts from people so this is how the little bit of how Luke's style works because he wasn't actually an apostle or of of Jesus but and he didn't walk with Jesus uh, but what he did was he was an extremely accurate a uh, man who was, who was known as a physician in the book of Colossians. It points that out, Colossians 4.14. Yeah. Uh, he was a Gentile, and he would have known Paul. He was a devoted, uh, you know, walked hand in hand with Paul, learned from Paul. So uh, you, the, he was he had credibility in his ability to write down true historical information and that it was fact.
1: Yeah, if I just take the Gospel of Luke... Many people aren't aware of the fact that Luke's gospel and the book of Acts were to be written as one volume, but over time, just because of uh, the sheer amount of words, we as the church divided Luke's gospel and the book of Acts into two different books. So now we have Luke, the gospel, and we have the book of Acts. But look what Luke does in Luke chapter 1, 1 through 4. He says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. Then we get to the book of Acts, and what does it say again in the first verse? The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. So, you know, he is making sure that Theophilus understands this as a continuation of his work, a continuation of his investigation overall.
0: Yeah, and continuing in in Guzik's commentary, uh, it it mentions— There's a good note here. yeah says that there were there was a time where scholars and critics thought the book of acts was some sort of romance novel for the church uh and that it was written uh more than 100 years after the events supposedly happened but there is a archaeologist named William Ramsey uh, and a bible scholar proved that the that the historical record of acts is remarkably accurate uh, regarding the specific practices laws and customs of the period it claims to record. So it is definitely the work of contemporary eyewitnesses. Wow.
1: Yeah. So this is not a fable. This is like, um, a journalist doing his best work to bring about the truth.
0: Yeah. Or it's not, you know how, you know, celebrities or historical figures, you know, in their day, you know, maybe ha- were seen by some people in a negative light, like they had a negative reputation in some areas of life. But a- after they died, and after years and years later, really that stuff fades, and they just remember the remarkable stuff, or it's just what's written down in a history book. And 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 then you don't hear about everything that happens in between. Well, really, in the book of Acts, we do see the things that don't happen very well. <laughs> you know, we don't just See the glorification of the things that did happen well. We see lots of historical facts about mistakes or things that happened. Um, and and it's not things aren't left out like you can in other history books where wow, man, you know, George Washington was amazing. he was our first president, he was a general. Well, the dude was also a military man. Yeah. And definitely killed people and definitely had it was not perfect. He was a sinner just like everybody else, had his own problems just like we all do. And sometimes we we erase all that sin to prop up a historical figure. But the reality is that's not what's happening in the book of Acts. We're not seeing that same storyline take place of forgetting stuff that was kind of, you know, that, that didn't make people look good uh, and then only propping up the stuff that did. And so I think that gives testament to the book of Acts and the other rest of the New Testament, we go into all the letters of Paul. Paul's pointing out all the problems. (laughs) These are all the things you're not doing well.
1: It's so genuine.
0: And And he addresses those. He doesn't skip over them and just says, thank you for believing in Jesus. Keep doing it. That's not what he says.
1: Yeah, there's another comment that I have here, and maybe we're belaboring the point, but this is important because I imagine we're going to be in the book of Acts for a while. It's 28 chapters, and we're going to need this background. So, in the mid-1960s, A. N. Sherwin White, what a name, an expert in Greco-Roman history from Oxford wrote about the book of Acts, and he said this, The historical framework is exact. In terms of time and place, the details are precise and correct. As documents, these narratives belong to the same historical series as the record of provincial and imperial trials and epigraphical and literary sources of the first and early second centuries AD. For Acts, the confirmation of historicity is overwhelming. Any attempt to reject its basic historicity, even in matters of detail, must now appear absurd. Roman historians have long taken it for granted. And then, of course... Some more uh, comments from pastors uh, throughout history, John Calvin, or maybe you could even see theologians. John Calvin wrote that the book of Acts was a kind of vast treasure. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones called Acts the most lyrical of books. Live in that book, or excuse me, live in that book, I exhort you. It is a tonic, the greatest tonic I know of in the realm of the Spirit. So, there have been men faithful Christian men throughout history that have not only known that this book is accurate, but this book is life-changing for what we are supposed to do with the faith that we now possess after we get saved. The answer is go and make Jesus known, you know, go and make Jesus known after the fact that he's done something to your life that should change you forever. But Luke is also writing, maybe last comment on the historical aspect of things, he's writing to a man named Theophilus. Um, Kyle, I'm sure that you're seeing the notes here, but you know Guzik is just mentioning again from verse 1. Luke specifically states that he's writing to Theophilus. Let me just start with one more quote. This might have been a Christian wanting instruction, as it speaks of Theophilus. He might have been a Roman official being briefed by Luke about the history of the Christian movement, or the name could be symbolic because the name Theophilus means lover of God. I highly doubt the the symbolic piece of it. This seems to be a real individual who probably uh, was really well known, was an honorary figure, and he probably paid for this investigation because he really wanted to know. He supported Luke in his journalistic efforts.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think, and in here, continuing our notes, it says that Luke wanted to show Theophilus and the Romans three points. Mm-hmm. And I like these three points. That Christianity is harmless, so some Roman officials had embraced it themselves, right? And even though there are lots of people against it, like the Roman Empire, uh persecuted Christians, uh that it was, and, and some, some were embracing it. That Christianity is innocent, so Roman judges could find no basis for persecution. It was almost like outlined what was the accounts of what was going on to prove in the court of law that this was not something that was 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 bad or going to hurt people or going to or or usurp Rome in a in a political sense, but this is a spiritual happening, and that Christianity is lawful uh, as the true fulfillment of Judaism, which was approved religion in the Roman Empire. So there's a lot of purposes to the book of Acts, not just to show us how the early church started, but it had a purpose for its writing,
1: yeah, I know that Luke's gospel about Jesus spoke about the work of Jesus and the work that Jesus did and accomplished. But now the book of Acts, uh, the purpose is to show the continuation of the work of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, through the apostles as they go out into the world. Um, I have another note here that I, I just think is uh, is needed for us as we're listening and as we're learning. We must remember that Acts does not give us a full history of the church during this period. For example, the churches in Galilee and Samaria are barely mentioned, Acts 9.31. And the establishing of a strong church in Egypt during this time isn't mentioned at all. The book of Acts spans a period of about 30 years and takes us up to about A.D. 60 or 61. So, all the way from about Jesus' ascension, right, after he resurrected from the dead, all the way to the early 60s. Paul in Rome was then waiting to appear before Caesar Nero. This same Nero began his infamous persecutions of Christians in AD 64. Wonderfully, what Jesus began still continues. There's a real sense in which the book of Acts continues to be written today, in our time period. Not in an authoritative scriptural sense, but in the sense of God's continued work in the world by his spirit through his church. Um, It's interesting to me that one thing we're going to find on the back end is that the book will end without a conclusion. You know, Luke has put all of these efforts into the most detailed account possible. He has compiled the most beautiful type of writing, and then he forgets the conclusion paragraph, but that's intentional because you and I and other brothers and sisters in the Lord, we are the ones to finish writing that conclusion paragraph before the Lord returns again.
0: Yeah, the you know, the church continues to this day. The reason churches exist today is because of the efforts of the apostles and Paul and establishing churches all over the world and whatever church you attend is evidence of what happens in the book of Acts. Yeah, that's so true. Which is really cool to think. Like if you could trace it back Christian to Christian and see the people engaged that got the church to where that it is now it would be cool to have that almost like a a genealogy like the problem with if we had that is we would probably glorify people a little bit more than we should, right? <laughs> we should be glorifying God for the acts that have happened right. in the church. Because yeah, we it could is, venerate people real easy. Yeah, so, but it is God who is establishing things. It is through Him that the the church is being established. It is growing. The efforts that are happening are through the work of of God, um, and not of our own doing, but of His doing because of we abide in Him, um, and we learn all those things out of the Gospels, like we learn who Jesus is and and how we're supposed to live and and how and, and all all of that, and then we get into Acts. So we could read Acts first, but I think it makes sense to read a gospel in order to understand what's happening in Acts.
1: Yeah, and and we didn't read Luke's gospel, but we did read Mark's. And I think after we've read Mark's gospel, now it's appropriate to continue on with the work of the church. And that is something cool to realize. It's like, you know, when you're sitting there in an elder meeting and you're praying about the direction of the church, and when you're sitting there and you're preaching from the pulpit and you're proclaiming the risen Lord, like this coming Sunday is is Resurrection Sunday, and we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 11, the fact of the resurrection. You realize we're doing the same thing right now today. We're empowered by the same Holy Spirit, and we have the scriptures before us to continue on with this ministry. Like, assuredly, the church in the first century has a spiritual connection with you and I today. But listen, the church grew because the church cared about discipleship. Our church continues to prop up the priority of discipleship. I hope other churches are doing so. I hope individuals are doing so, and it's not just the pastors or the top leaders of the church doing it. Every Christian has to own the responsibility Of advancing the work of the Holy Spirit by trusting in Him to do ministry and to make disciples. Period. That is our job. You have to ask the question Does my calendar and does my budget, does my weekly calendar and does my budget prove to people, or at the very least, prove to God, that I care about discipleship? Right. Mm -hmm. So we're a part of the book of Acts to a degree.
0: Yep. So if we look into the text, and we look at what has happened, right? We know that Jesus has given a command to the disciples to go, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, right, in the ways of the Lord. And so he tells them to go, but he also tells them to do something first before they go. And that's kind of where the where the book of Acts starts is yes, they are to go into all nations, but there's a command before. He tells them to actually wait. Um in a specific place. So he says in verse four, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, the apostles, but to wait for what the father had promised. Yeah. So there's a promise that was, that was given to them from the father mm-hmm. and that they were to wait until this promise happens. And then they are to go. Yeah. So we know that's this, that's what the apostles are currently doing in the beginning of the book of Acts.
1: Yeah. That's, that's what's being recorded about their actions, right? like, Jesus has, I mean, verse 3 says, to these, he, Jesus, presented himself alive after his suffering, right? There's an account of the resurrection. Right. After his suffering, by what? By many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the king- kingdom of God. A-, a lot of people view the final words as Jesus on the cross. Or a lot of people view the final conversation Jesus had with his disciples in the upper room. That's not true. Those were the final words and the final conversations he he had before he faced martyrdom. And the reason why those words before his death are so valuable to us is because we need to be prepared. You know, we need to be prepared. If we die, these are the the biggest things we got to keep in line. But. Jesus was with the disciples for another 40 days after he resurrected from the dead. He, he remained here another almost month and a half. So having said that, after the 40 days is over, um, Jesus is like, hey, wait here. Make sure that you wait for Pentecost. Make sure that you wait for when the Holy Spirit comes down and indwells your heart. Not just empowers you, but indwells you forever. So pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, and that's what it says continuing verse 4 and then 5. It says, which he said, you, Jesus, Jesus said this, you heard of from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Mm -hmm. So this promise of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is going to occur. Once that occurs, then go do what I commanded you to do.
1: So let's just talk about that for a minute. You know, at the most practical level for our listeners and just for the sake of the conversation Kyle, what's the difference between a believer who's filled with the Holy Spirit in contrast with someone who shows up on Sunday? Um, you know, maybe they sit in the pews, maybe they, they sing the songs, maybe even they've picked up the Bible a few times, they, they say a, a few generic prayers. You know, what what's the what's really the difference between the two of them? I mean, obviously one is indwelt by the spirit and then the other is not indwelt by the spirit, right? Um but do you see any other differences? I mean, I have in my mind something else, but is there a practical difference? I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, we're I mean, we're talking about conversion and when it happens. Yeah. uh for one, but we're also talking about having a knowledge of God or I I can say I know God exists. But there's a difference between saying I know God exists and I call Jesus my Lord and Savior. Yeah. And that he died for my sins on the cross and was resurrected. Yeah. That there's Those are two different things yeah. when it comes to belief. Yeah. Believing in a God or believing that, oh, church is a good moral place and they teach good things so I can live a good life and it makes me a good person. Well, no. I mean, yes, we teach those things, but we only teach those things for people who believe. It's the, the way of following Christ, not a way to follow Christ some moral law in order to feel good about yourself.
1: Yeah, that's not going to save you. It's
0: not going to save you. Yep. The Bible and living for living what the Bible says is a response to what Jesus has done for us so that we may live in obedience to him and through him. And the cool thing is when we put our belief in Jesus and we call him Lord and Savior, he promises something. Yeah. And he promised it to the disciples, the apostles. Right. He promised them the Holy Spirit. And that's what he's going to give them. And you won't
1: feel the pressure of having to live out this big religious yeah. performance because there will become a change in you, not a change on the outside of you. Right.
0: It's a, it's a heart change and an indwelling. You know, we, I said earlier the word abide, like in John chapter 15. You're abiding with Christ. You, you become one with him. And then he's actually, God's going to give you the Holy Spirit in order to guide you and to counsel you and to empower you. Uh, and you're not doing it alone. That's one thing with Christianity that, um, you know, uh, that's so different than other, any other religions is a lot of other religions say there's a God out there and you're doing stuff for that God. When well, Christianity, God says, no, I want to indwell in you. Right. And I want to live through you. And I want to know you. And that is totally different than any other belief system out there.
1: It's the difference between a maid who comes to clean your house and then someone that you love, like like your wife, right? Who you not only love, but then you serve each other willingly, right? It's a covenantal love. It's not like a contractual thing or, yeah, okay, I, I'm going to come and clean your house, you know, once a week. It's totally different. And I think that's that's really where I was aiming is the, the real believer who's indwelt by the Holy Spirit versus the person who just puts on the performance. One has the power of God propelling them to obedience with a joyful desire The other has no propelling other than their own efforts, which gets tiring overall. One is not saved and the other is saved. You know, it's just like the moment that I, I think I really became a believer was the moment it was like this whole thing made sense. And I knew about Jesus before I got saved. I even knew the basic elements of the gospel before I actually got saved. But there was a moment where it translated to being, being my own, like, oh man, uh I'm changed I'm different <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to live for this not just know this So a few differences yeah Jesus is saying don't go do ministry by yourself you need to go do ministry with the power of the Holy Spirit so wait for him
0: Yeah and I think we can also see it work out a little different in the sense of I when I was young I grew up in the church and my parents are Christians and 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 I knew Jesus I believe I was saved at a real young age but there was also a moment in my maturity that God showed me where I was still falling short in the sense of following him. Sure. And that was the work of the Holy spirit. I believe I was already saved. And then the work of the Holy spirit on my heart was saying, you must change your mind in these areas. You must repent. You must change the way that you live for me and not for yourself. I knew Jesus. I knew what he did. I believed in what he did. I, I, you know, it wasn't about works. It was about belief, but then God, and then there was a challenge by the Holy spirit. Well, if you believe in me, what are you doing in response to that? Mm-hmm. And that was a stirring of the Holy Spirit to say, Kyle, you you need to follow me, yeah. not just know me, not just believe in me. Yeah, you call me Lord, but but are you showing me that I'm your Lord? Yeah. <laughs> and so um, that that is the work of the Holy Spirit in somebody's heart yeah. is the prompting of of that. It may be convicting, and it's not something that the Holy Spirit um, is is a is a is a product of of being saved. I don't like using the word product that makes it sound like a
1: Yeah, the re, the result of the result. being saved is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit.
0: Right. Um, and he gives that to us to direct our lives and to guide us and there's nothing that we can do to lose that. I believe that yeah. he's going to continue to indwell in you and continue to work in your life. There's you can't there's nothing that you can't get rid of it. If you truly believe, I don't think you can get rid of it. And he's going to keep stirring you and he's going to keep working in you. Even if you're going in kind of a, a bad direction, I think he's still going to be there just really working in your heart and convicting you to say, I died. He's going to say, I died for you. Remember yeah. all this sin, all this stuff that you're doing. I died for that too. Yeah. And I'm not leaving you. I have you yeah. and I love you. And, I, and and show me show me another God that does that. Yeah, it doesn't exist.
1: Well, there's something beautiful about Jesus loving you to such an extent that He no longer allows you to enjoy sin once you've become mm-hmm. a believer. Like once the Holy Spirit indwells you, and you and I know how many dumb things that probably should not be put on this episode. How many dumb things did we do around college in our younger years? Oh yeah, that's like oh my gosh, like. Someone in our church today may be under church discipline or it's like <laughs> <laughs> um but the the patience of God to mature the believer past his stupidity and his immaturity and to bring the believer to a place of you know what sin's not worth living in anymore because it's just that doesn't fulfill me. Only Jesus does. And the more that Jesus corrects you for being satisfied and fulfilled with other things, and the more that he brings you to see that he is the satisfaction instead, man, that, that's when we're ready to do ministry. And I think that's what's happening here. Jesus is saying, yeah. wait for the, the Holy Spirit, <laughs> and you're going to be empowered to do things you never thought you could do.
0: Right, and definitely wait, because you're going to need it. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, right. you're about to get beat up a few times, too. And, right. You know, like I think about in jail, and,
0: when Jesus sent his disciples out yeah, two by two, yeah. and they come back. And immediately, they just don't get it. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna go feed the five thousand. Yeah, and he's like, and they're like, Jesus, you know, we don't even have enough money to buy enough food. And Jesus is like, Come on, guys. Yeah,
1: didn't I just provide for you? Didn't I just show you remarkable things? Right. Yeah. You, I,
0: you went out and and God allowed you to cast out demons to heal people. Yeah. And you don't think I can produce food for you and these people? And so here, though, God's like, Hey wait i'm going to give you something that you're going to need yeah. because the work that is about to be done is the work of god and it's going to be through him that it gets done and he's going to use men who believe in him to do it
1: it's something that i'm i'm looking forward to in this book is the the action the action packed stories that we're going to read it's not like they just go around and you know they stand up all right let me tell you about jesus and you know there's no there's no light stories here this is the most radical Christian life you can live. These guys, um, they're going to be put in jail. They're going to be persecuted. They're going to be beat up. I mean, they're they're going to be in danger from so many different areas of the world from so many different kinds of people because when the gospel starts invading things, mm-hmm. um, the enemy fights back. So with that being said, maybe we can close on this last portion of scripture for this episode. But Acts chapter one verses six through eight. Kyle, why don't you read it and then we'll we'll discuss.
0: Yeah, it says, so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? Mm. This was a big question in the Gospels. Or restoring the kingdom to Israel, to Israel right. Yeah. He said to them, it is not for you to know times and epics. or epics, which the Father has fixed yeah. by his own authority, yeah. but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remote part of the earth. Yeah,
1: yeah, pretty interesting what the disciples ask, though. I mean, he says, wait for the Holy Spirit, and then they ask the question, are are you going to restore everything to Israel? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Which is a very unique question, because some people think that God is completely done with the nation of Israel, but Jesus doesn't say No, Jesus says, it's not for you to know, K-N-O-W, it's not for you to know when those things would happen. Uh, I'm not saying no, N-O, I'm not saying no to the nation of Israel, it's just, it's not for you to know when that's going to come about. So in the meantime, before God does restore the kingdom to the nation of Israel, here's what you need to do, and then he sends them off. Yep. Um, Something that I think is really interesting is the times and the epics. Some people would say epochs. You know, really the, the overarching major time periods of human history. This is not for you to know, but things that the Father has fixed by His own authority. Jesus reminds us that God is the one sovereignly and in charge of all things that happen in human history, and they are progressing and playing out for his plan and purposes. So Jesus says that, but verse 8 is a verse that every Christian should know and memorize. He starts by saying, you will receive power. The word is dunamis, like dynamite. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that's kind of the idea of what we were talking about is he is deliberately telling them they will go in the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. And then continuing on with the rest of the verse, he says, And you shall be my witnesses. The word is martyros, or literally martyrs. You will be my martyrs, both in Jerusalem, the city they're from, and in all Judea, maybe you could say the county that they're from, and Samaria, uh, the county outside of their county that had people they didn't like. It was like their rival. And you're even going to be my witnesses, even to the remotest part of the earth. Some translations may have to the ends of the earth, where it's never gone before, never been heard, never been seen. And I, I, I think that is still the job of the Christian today. Um, how how are we bringing the gospel to our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world?
0: Yeah, and we and we see the evidence of this mission today. I mean, the gospel has been preached in a lot of places, a lot of languages, uh, to a lot of people, the work's not done. The work won't be done until Jesus comes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is being done. And I think it's just another piece of evidence. If you're wondering about the gospel, about Jesus, this is a place to say, look, look what has been done. Look what God has been doing through his people, the church mm-hmm. in the time since he has ascended into heaven after his resurrection to now, what has been done, and what is the evidence of God? I think there's just a there's an overwhelming amount, uh, in my opinion, of what's been done.
1: Yeah, you know, have you ever heard that comment in church before, where people say, "Why do we got to go on a mission trip? There's stuff to be done right here in our own backyard," right? Mm-hmm. There's this an extent to which that's true. But that's not true if that's a replacement to not go. Because it's just simple. It's not an either or kind of thing. It's a both and. Jesus said, Jerusalem, your backyard. But he also said the ends of the earth. So neither are wrong. You need to prioritize both, right? So I don't know. Maybe it's like, you know how there are certain taglines and phrases that become common Christian speech that you learn and you hear in church growing up with and you hear people say, there's work to be done in our very own backyard. That's true, but if you're not careful, people can hear that like, oh, well, we don't need to go. No, because then the church in Jerusalem would have just stayed there, and then we would have no book of Acts, right? So if everyone thought that way, we'd be in trouble. The fact is, is Jesus wants you serving at home, serving abroad as well.
0: Yeah, you know, missions is important, and Jesus puts the stamp on that here, (laughs) right? I mean, he says, you need to go. He continues to say you need to go, and where to go? Everywhere, not just a, s- a single place. Because, I mean, we already see that sometimes the focus of, especially the Israelites, is just Israel. Yes, that's just something they're so focused on. And when's Israel gonna get its glory back? Mm-hmm. Uh, when are we gonna be in control again? Uh, they kind of have this I, this very selfish idea of of who actually. Is in control of, of Jerusalem, Israel, and the state of the whole planet, um, and they're always focused a little bit on themselves. But Jesus is like, you you can't focus on yourselves. It's not a, it's not all about the nation of Israel, even though the nation of Israel is extremely important. It's God's people, but He's saying you need to go tell everyone about Me. It's not just for Israel. It's for everybody, uh, and He makes that very clear.
1: Yeah, we're we have the banner right up here. We're called the Live Sent. And make, mature, and multiply. That's the Great Commission from Matthew 28. You know, maybe it's good just to kind of close on this point. Um, Our entire church vision is centered around this statement. And our whole entire hope is that our people would learn how to live sent, to be sent, to their community. Would learn how to be sent to their neighbors. Would learn how to be sent to their enemies would even learn how to be sent in other countries. And that's just a fruition in a culture that takes time and long patience and suffering to build into the culture of of your church. It's almost like a reprioritizing of, look, if we want to be sure that we're accomplishing God's plan, we need to ask, is what we're doing benefiting this vision? And if we're doing that, then you can't go wrong in what you're planning to do.
0: Right. So... As a part of living sin, that's why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> that's
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. We're reaching our Jerusalem. Ways. Yeah.
0: We want to reach whoever. I mean, it's been cool to see the statistics of the podcast reaching different countries. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's really important. These are
1: our faces now after all these episodes.
0: You yeah. can see us now. Yeah. Yeah. You can go to and and see it there too. But, um, but yeah, this is why this is one thing that we're doing. Uh, we do other we do other stuff. We have had a Mexico mission trip. You and I have been on international missions. Yep. Uh, We've
1: got a pastor from out of country. Yep. Uh, from a um, really a heavy Muslim country, who used to be a Muslim himself. He he's going to come and he's going to to share soon. That'll be amazing.
0: Yeah. So we want to make sure we're we're doing all of it. We're not just just focused on our backyard because we have backyard stuff too. We have stuff coming up this summer that hits our community that yeah. shares the gospel for a couple of weeks in a row yeah. um you know, and just the day the day to day life of of living with people and sharing the gospel with people coworkers friends, family so yeah. um it should be happening in all contexts of life
1: if you're listening in from the community, we just want to say thank you you know truly so much for. Picking up the podcast, listening to it, we pray that in this new format, you'd continue to enjoy it and grow in your knowledge of the Word. We invite you to church on Sundays, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, with a catered breakfast in between every single Sunday in our gym. It's packed. There's a lot of people, families running around, high energy, high enthusiasm. We study the Word together and we eat together. It's a pretty good format.
0: Yeah, come join us Easter Sunday. This coming Sunday, yep. And uh, join us in worship and come check it out. Well, thank you all for uh, joining in on this podcast. I hope that you're excited for the book of Acts and that we can go through this journey together. Share this with your friends and family on social media. Uh, We're on any podcast platform, so just look up Be Disciples Podcast. And if you could also rate our podcasts on these platforms, what that does is it exposes us even more to the podcast community. So more ratings means more exposure, which means more people hear the gospel. That's all it is. And that's all we want. This is not a monetary podcast.
1: Nope. We do this because we- receive no money from this.
0: We we do this because we love the Bible uh, and we love Jesus and we just want to share the gospel. So please rate us on those and just it gives another opportunity for somebody to hear the good news of Jesus Christ.
1: Absolutely. God bless y'all. We'll see you next week.